Welcome to Dense in the Darkness, the monthly podcast of the Northeast Collaborative. We're a new church network that empowers pastors to lead and launch healthy churches in Northeast America. I'm your host, Tim Madeira from WRGN Radio, and I'm here with NEC's Executive Director, Dan Nichols. This month, we have our friend and NEC soul care coach, Jamie Overholzer, with us. Dan, tell us a little bit about why you wanted to invite Jamie on to the podcast. Oh, man, I could talk for a very long time about how awesome Jamie is. But uh, to keep it brief, I met Jamie in the fall of 2006 when I was a new college freshman and I was hungry for a home-cooked meal, as many college freshmen are. And uh, his wife, Julie, makes this unbelievable potato soup with dough balls in it. Could talk about that stuff for a long time, too. It's amazing. But I went over to their house. So one night, we're there having that meal. We became really good friends. And Jamie's been a, a lot of things in my life. A small group leader, a pastor, premarital counselor, landlord, dental surgery rescuer. That's a long story. Uh, ministry teammates and just a terrific friend and mentor in so many ways and to so many other people as well. Uh, so he has this amazing ministry of shepherding shepherds, and I'm really excited for him to do some of that here in this episode. Wow, it sounds like you guys go way back, and we want to have Jamie kind of introduce himself to us and give everybody a, kind of an overview of your family and your personal story, Jamie. Yeah, it's good to be with you guys. I appreciate uh, the uh, opportunity to speak uh, on this particular subject and um, yeah, uh, I have a wife, a beautiful wife, a very creative wife, a wife who um, allows me to be me and I allow her to be her. And um, that works out well. And her name is Julie. And we have four amazing kids, two girls and two boys. They're um, all adults. So we're almost empty nesters. Every once in a while, we have one fly back into the nest and stay a little bit, but um, we're, we're, we're dealing with that. And uh, we've been in ministry for over 31 years in local church ministry. We started right after we um, got married back in 1988. And um, God has just allowed us to be in various positions, given us various um, experiences and opportunities that have helped shape us over the years. Uh, we've been at churches in New York and Pennsylvania, Michigan, and a, a little stint at a Christian school in Kentucky. But God has just given us a lot of different experiences that help us know him better and allow us to be formed uh, into his image. And I'm sure we're going to get into that later. But we've been here in Northeast Pennsylvania for um, about 20 years in two different churches and um, I can remember back in my college days, back in this town, uh, where I, I, I remember this as if it were yesterday. I looked up in the sky and I said, God, if you were to never bring me back to Pennsylvania again, I would be fine with that. <laughs> and um, I've spent 23 years of my 31 ministry years in Pennsylvania. Mm. <laughs> so I have um, finally called it home. Well, you talked about the breadth of your ministry experience, all the different things that you have done, and the title of this episode is Shepherding Shepherds, and that is a part of what your ministry is now. How has what you've been through brought you to the point where you're at now? Like I said, a lot of different ministry experiences, but I would have to say that 
suffering in ministry has brought me to where we are right now. You know, I could give you things like my child and teenage years and the experience that my church gave me in ministry. You know, back in those days, I could talk about our first church or planting two churches. But to be honest with you, it's been the trials and the suffering in ministry that has shaped me the most and has given me a heart for what I think is probably similar stories, different circumstances with a lot of different pastors. And so not being in a local church ministry right now has given me the opportunity to step into um, the lives of other pastors and just be a friend and be a good ear, be a good listener, and be that kind of outside third party that can kind of be an objective set of eyes and ears and a voice into their life. Because as a pastor, I know that I wish I would have had the ability to to walk alongside someone in that capacity or to have someone walk alongside me in that capacity. Mm -hmm. Because at times I simply felt isolated. I felt like I couldn't talk because I might be gossiping. Mm. <laughs> I couldn't talk to somebody else because I might be sinning. Um, as far as getting my thoughts out and my frustrations out, and and please don't misunderstand me, I've had many joys and many um, wonderful people and wonderful experiences in ministry. But again, I have to go back to what has shaped me the most <laughs> into being able to do what I'm doing now with other pastors, and that is knowing what suffering is like and knowing how that can um, develop perseverance and, and character. Mm. I, I'm sure that there are a lot of listeners right now that hear your words and they're ringing true with them. I think of the book by Ann Graham Lotz, Wounded by God's People, Discovering How God's Love Heals Our Hearts. And that healing, I assume, for you has come as well, and now you're using that for others. Um, yes. Um, healing. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 I don't think we, I, I, I'll speak just for me. I don't think we ever get to that point where I say I'm completely healed. Okay. Um, we, we have, you know, we have scars that, you know, that indicate that something happened and, um, you know, every once in a while something bumps into that and you kind of wince and you remember some things, but, the thing that I've learned as well, because I, I don't want to um, come off as finger pointing at God's people, but during some of those hard circumstances in my ministry, especially over the last 10 or 12 years, I've learned how I've contributed to that too. I've learned how I've had mm -hmm. weak spots in my life that have been exposed because of those confrontations and clashes and tensions that I've had with the sheep. So it, you know, it takes two, but I've, I've learned that going and getting help. And I did that probably about five, uh, four or five years ago. I drove to Philadelphia um, every Monday for six months in a row and went to see a Christian counselor simply because I had to figure out why I was reacting the way I was to some mm. of my sheep. <laughs> mm. And, I, you know, I would encourage them to go kind of get themselves figured out <laughs> and I'll get myself figured out and maybe we can come back and, and make this happen. And, and sometimes it works, 
you know, beautifully. And unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't. And, and people walk and you have to deal with um, the pain that comes from losing friends and losing people. Yeah, I think especially in this season with all of the challenges swirling in the last calendar year, ministry leaders, especially, you know, pastors, people who are in um, vocational ministry. I mean, it's there's a huge question about sustainability, right? Like how how am I going to stay in ministry for the long haul? And what have you found to be I mean, you're alluding to it a little bit there as far as, you know, getting real about your own struggles and, you know, your own weaknesses, going and seeing a counselor, like what are some other things that you found are really helpful for staying in ministry for the long haul? I think one of the major things that come to mind is stop trying to prove yourself. Hmm. Um, I, th- I think back to uh, the baptism and the temptation of Jesus. Um, if you remember the baptism of Jesus was this beautiful, kind of like Trinitarian reunion. <laughs> you don't see that very often <laughs> where you have the father and the son and the spirit coming together in a, just an amazing way. Yeah. And one of the things that happened there was Jesus was being affirmed and given an identity from the father. Um, he was being loved. He was being affirmed. He was given the identity as, as my beloved son and what son doesn't want to hear I'm pleased with you from their father. So that was that was huge. You know, you are my son. And then if you read the scripture, the spirit, and depending on what gospel you read, the spirit either either led Jesus or drove him <laughs> into the desert. And immediately Jesus had his identity confronted. Mm. Um, both times, both times, the first two times, Satan said, if you are the son of God, do this. So he immediately got his identity, (laughs) um, challenged and, and basically Satan said, if you are, then prove it, you know, turn these stones to bread, you know, jump off the pinnacle, um, do all these things to, to prove it. And Jesus is like, I don't have to prove anything to you. Mm. Um, I am who I am. And, and he, 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 he went through such a struggle for those 40 days that, I mean, angels had to come and minister to him. I mean, that's how much that took out of Jesus. That's how much he had to withstand the confrontation to his identity. And, and then you read the next section of scripture And Jesus just goes and does what he's supposed to do. He walks into the temple, he takes the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads, you know, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, I've come to preach the good news to the poor, so on and so forth. And he just steps right into his identity. So that's a long answer to sometimes I think pastors try to prove themselves (laughs) to a lot of different people who have differing expectations of them. Um, so my advice for the long haul is know, know your identity in the Lord, get your affirmation from him (laughs) and just do what God has equipped you to do, what he's, what he's gifted you to do without trying to, you know, to steer out of your lane too much (laughs) Mm. and without trying to just 
be, you know, some, some pastors. And I was there at that point too, at some years of my ministry where I just wanted to try to please everybody. And that's just not going to get you very far. Yeah, the uh, challenge of a pastor is somewhat unique, of finding that balance of saying, okay, I need to be accountable to someone, but at the same time, I need to know, Mm -hmm. as you said, my identity in Christ and and what it is that God has called me to do. How do you shepherd the shepherd like that? (laughs) Um, Well, I think a shepherd... um, needs to want to be shepherded. <laughs> um, you know, if you if you have a, a shepherd or a sheep that doesn't want to be shepherded, it ain't going to happen. Okay, so part of what I enjoy about shepherding shepherds is a lot of them have come to me and, yes. and, and they're saying, please help me. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't always have to be crisis. Um, it, the, the most beautiful part of shepherding shepherds is when they just want to establish a relationship with somebody who's got a few more uh, miles on their on their tires <laughs> and a few more years in their experience. Mm-hmm. Not that we know everything, but I do think there comes wisdom with experience. Not that, you know, guys in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s know it all, but we have learned a few things. And there's just a joy and there's a a pleasure to walking with guys who are younger, who, who want that, who want that and who haven't been, who haven't been shoved into a mold yet. I, I think, <laughs> I, I think that was kind of uh, maybe as I look back on my, on my ministry, I think I was kind of shoved into a mold mm. and I didn't really come out of that mold until about 20 years ago when I read an amazing book by John Eldridge and Brent Curtis called The Sacred Romance. It doesn't have anything to do with pastoral ministry. It just has everything to do with the the sacred romance that we're in with, with God. And um, that kind of burst my heart open and allowed me to realize that I had been living by somebody else's script for a very, very, very long time, including ministry. It's like, mm-hmm. here's what you do, here's what you look like, here's what you say, here's what you wear, here, you know. And so I think some of these guys that are coming up, um, you know, in their 20s and 30s, at least the guys I'm working with, they, they, they haven't been shoved into a mold like that. So I think they're more open to to discovering, you know, their identity. I mean, just read Ephesians 1. Oh, my goodness, that's for that's for all of us. Yeah, uh, not just pastors. Just immerse. You know, I've told guys just immerse yourselves in Ephesians one. When you lack confidence, when you lack vision, when you lack the words, when you lack the patience, just go back and and understand how God sees you, and just allow yourself to to wear that. Now you deal with pastors, as you've said, some young pastors, some older pastors. Uh, as you have worked through this process with them, what are some of the wins that you can share with those who are listening? Uh, somebody that's been turned around in their ministry because of the work you've been able to do with them. Well, um, maybe in the process of being turned around, <laughs> not <laughs> okay. completely turned yeah. around yet. Um, and, and again, I would say, you know, more than half of the guys that I'm walking with right now, they don't really need turned around. Okay. Um, they just need 
they just need somebody walking with them that cares deeply for their soul. But I, I can, you know, I can give you one example of um, a couple out in Colorado that I uh, was put in contact with. He's he's a, a campus pastor at a multi-site church out there, and he's he's struggling with um, some some substance abuse. He's struggling in his marriage, and somebody said, you know, you you need help, and they really don't have money to pay a counselor. Um, and I don't claim to be a, the world's you know best marriage counselor, but I've been able to connect with them every Wednesday night for about the past two or three months and just try to bring he and his wife back together in a way where they're, they're learning how to love each other better and understand each other better. And Mm -hmm. again, sometimes the the growth is in the, in the progress is slow. And, And this one has been, but you know, if you look back over enough time, you can see how far they have come. So that's, that's very encouraging, you know, and every, every night I meet with them and I even did this before, you know, we got on the, on the podcast here. Um, you know, I had some things ready based on some of the questions, <laughs> but <laughs> I just say, okay, spirit, um, this is, this is you. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I just need to, to hear you in the moment to be able to guide people. And that's what I say before every call with every guy that I have. I don't know what this person needs. I don't know where they are. I don't want to come across as having the answers. I don't want to come across as you got to do it my way. I just, I just need to be a good listener and I, to them and to the spirit (laughs) and, and say, just give me what they need to hear. Give me what they need to hear in this moment, in this conversation so that we can leave the conversation with eyes and ears for the kingdom, eyes and ears for our family, um, eyes and ears for our sheep that keep us, you know, in, in a healthy place. And I think ultimately that's what Shepherding Shepherds is all about. It's, it's keeping them, getting them back to or keeping them in a healthy soul space. What's so key is what you mentioned earlier is just the, uh, the, the desire, right? The, the, you have to want help. <laughs> And you have to have that recognition that you need help, no matter how big the ministry is, no matter how small the ministry is, like size of, you know, your church size doesn't matter. Your skill set doesn't matter. Right. And and so often ministry leaders, we get into these unbelievably unhealthy uh, comparison games where we're constantly saying, you know, either, either too high a view of ourselves, mm-hmm. like I'm above help and accountability or too low a view of ourselves, like you know, I, I don't have that worth and value that God actually says I have. And both of those extremes are so unhealthy. And I've just, through our years of knowing each other, Jamie, I just love how wherever leaders are, and we've talked about so many different uh, ministry experiences that we both have had, right? And just trying to help leaders see that whether it's too high of you or too low of you, it doesn't matter. We need to have an accurate assessment of ourselves, which is what Romans 12 says. And that that's part of why I'm so excited to have you on our NEC team because of, of what you bring to the team that way in terms of recalibrating and just there to help and come alongside. What have you enjoyed about teaming up with NEC over this last uh, year, year and a half? Well, I'm just thankful that there's a church network that that wants to care for the whole person. So many times you have church networks 
that only focus on strategic vision, you know, um, production. Yeah. How to grow, grow the thing, you know, how to exactly. And, um, and, and you have uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe if required is a too strong of a word, but you have highly suggested Yeah, that pastors that are part of the Northeast Collaborative have someone, doesn't have to be me or the other person that shares the same uh, position here, but it has to be somebody who who isn't about the strategic, visionary, bottom line stuff. It's about what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your soul. And, and being a person that can have, being a person that, that people are comfortable enough with to be honest and transparent and vulnerable. And I, and I never, I've never forgotten a word picture that was given to me several years ago about those three words Um, because they're, they're not synonymous. Um, And this is very quick, but you know, to be honest about something that's going on in your life is to say something's going on in my life. (laughs) To be honest, you're standing out in the yard and saying, there's a hole in my wall in the house. To be transparent, you take them over to the window and you you let them look on the inside and say, there's the hole in the wall in my house. But to be vulnerable is to tell them um, what it is and how it got there. Mm. And Mm. it's kind of a progression that I would love to get, you know, established with the guys that I work with. Not that... You know, I expect them to bring dark, you know, dangerous things out of their closet. But, you know, even even just stuff about their marriage or stuff about, you know, how to raise their kids or, um, you know, we don't we don't have to come off as, you know, being the perfect parent, the perfect spouse. Um, And we need someone to kind of navigate that with. What was the question? (laughs) (laughs) No, I, 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 uh... I, I want I wanted you to keep on going with that because that was so good. But no, I was just I was saying for NEC specifically, like we're so excited to have you on the team. And I know so many of our pastors and ministry leaders that you've already invested in, and there's been many of them already in a very short amount of time, have really been eating it up. And so I was just throwing it back on you and going, like, what have you enjoyed most about it? And you were you were kind of going on that train of saying the networks. Yeah, like a lot of networks yeah. are not as focused on what you're all about. Mm-hmm, exactly, and I give them, you know, I give I give guys freedom. Um, you know, I I don't necessarily drive the conversation. I'm I'm there to listen, and and I tell them, you know what, if this isn't helpful to you after two or three times, I'm not going to be offended. Okay, you know, yeah. if this is if this doesn't click, I know there was someone in my life one time who was my self declared mentor. It's like, mm, no, you're not. <laughs> it just wasn't working. You know, there has to be a natural thing that happens. So, you yeah. know, just like with a guy I talked with last week that I told Dan about, it's like, you know, and I told him after the phone call or right before we got done with the phone call, I said, you know what, um, text me back in a couple of days and let me know if you want to continue this. And if you do, great. If if not, I'm not offended. I will pray that God yeah. brings the right person into your life. Mm-hmm. And if at any time over the next months or years that you find that you need someone else to take you to the next level or phase or whatever, again, please do that. And I'll just thank God that I had that time in your life. Yeah. And 
I think it is important for anyone who's considering NEC, if you're listening to this, to know like we have people like Jamie who are ready to go to help with this. But the the ask is that you have someone, you know, it could be someone who has already been filling that for years. It's not about like you have to do the people we assign per se. Mm-hmm. The truth is though, Jamie, and I can speak from personal experience. I mean, we've known each other since 2006. Jamie and his wife, Julie, have poured so much into me in terms of caring for my soul. They are so good at it. And I mean, come on, you got a master's degree in it. So obviously, <laughs> obviously, of course. It's be. but, but in all seriousness, like you have studied this stuff, head, heart and hands, you've been all in on how to form the health of a soul and, and, and be a, a catalyst for healthy spiritual formation. And I love that about you. I think it's so cool that you have done it. Yes. Intellectually with a master's degree and beyond. And then with your heart, like you really believe in it. Like, I feel like every time we talk, it always comes back to how's your soul. No matter, even when we are talking strategy or just normal <laughs> life stuff. And then with the hands, you and Julie have just, I mean, in so many different ways have really gotten your hands dirty in ministry and taken bumps and bruises, but continued forward to let people know that even in the tough times, God is faithful. And even when ministry doesn't seem like it's this, you know, this dream that some people go into ministry thinking like, oh man, it's going to be this incredible so awesome. thing. And, and sometimes it is, there are those seasons but for most of us who've been in ministry for any length of time, the most, the more mundane and difficult days definitely outweigh the the mountaintop experiences. How how I even got involved in in shepherding shepherds was out of my own soul pain. <laughs> um, I providentially stumbled across um, a website one day, uh, and, and it was called Standing Stone Ministry with the tagline of Shepherding Shepherds, and I thought wow, there is such a thing. Mm. And I, I contacted them with the purpose of wanting someone to shepherd me. And, you know, I was, I had just turned 50 and I thought, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not too proud to say that at this point I need some help. Right. Um, and so I contacted them. Um, I spent an hour telling a man named Ken, my story. And at the end of the conversation, he said, Oh my goodness, Jamie, we need people like you in our network. Oh, wow. And I said, I said, why? He goes, you've been bruised and beat up and battered, but you still love the Lord. You still love the church mm-hmm. and you didn't, you didn't give in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that started my part-time ministry with Standing Stone um, to shepherd other shepherds. Now I'm, you know, I've got the connection with NEC and I never got a shepherd out of that whole thing either. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we appreciate your being open to the move of the Holy Spirit to dive into this with both feet and to help others to walk a path that you have in many ways already walked. How can we pray for you? Great question. One is a very practical thing. We would love to step into this ministry on a more full-time basis. Um, but it is a support-raised ministry. So we need to raise more support and be able to step into this for more hours during the week than, than what we do now. So that's, that's a prayer concern. And the other one is just 
that you know we're connected with the with the right people the right people are connected with us that we are just so in tune with the spirit that we're able you know to really be uh, a help to people that that are just um, yearning and hungering for this type of relationship and i'm humbled i'm honored to be doing that because pastors really do have as a part of their job description something that no one else in scripture is given and that's in hebrews 13 where it says the spiritual leaders watch over the souls of their people nobody else is given that that command and i don't even know what that means i just know it's it's pretty weighty <laughs> it's pretty heavy um i have to watch over the souls of people uh, that means I have to enter into their lives. That means I have to help bear their burdens. That means I have to, I, I grieve over what they're grieved over. Uh, I've got to get my hands dirty in, in their lives. And if a pastor is bearing that responsibility with his sheep, then, oh my goodness, his soul is going to need <laughs> some care as well, big time. And I think the best pastors, at least from what I've experienced, are the ones who take that responsibility seriously. And not that they try to be the Holy Spirit for people, because that's very dangerous, and that leads to spiritual abuse, which right. is a very big problem. And uh, I just read a phenomenal book, uh, When Narcissism Comes to Church, a terrific <laughs> book on spiritual abuse and all that. So I'm not talking about that. I think what I'm talking about is the way I've told it to our people at our church is, I believe I'm going to stand before God and he is going to ask me to give an account, a steward account of how I've led this congregation spiritually. And that is a weighty thing. Very weighty thing. It's an honor. It's a privilege. But yeah, I mean, pastors need that help. So uh, in terms of this episode, Jamie, uh, for pastors and ministry leaders listening, what's the most encouraging thing that you could say to them right now in the middle of this craziness that we find ourselves <laughs> stay standing stay standing you know back to what i referenced before don't try to prove yourself this is not a time to try to prove yourself mm. and don't do this alone find a few people find those kindred spirits find those soul care people that you can connect with and this this one has really um god has really been convicting me about this one for the past couple years, but he just brought it up again today. Pastors need to be okay with not being recognized, with not being recognized for their ministry, because part of living well in the kingdom is Matthew 6. <laughs> you pray in secret, you give your alms in secret, you take care of the needy in secret, because why? Great is your reward in heaven. And so, I think some guys just need to chill out, <laughs> me included. <laughs> we don't have to have that pat on the back. Now, we all like affirmed. Sure. So I, I understand the, the healthy affirmation that everybody needs, but the motivation of just doing what God has called you to do, regardless <laughs> if it's written in the sky, if it's in lights, or if there's a spotlight on it, just mm. keep doing it, especially in secret. Mm. Uh, because great is your reward in heaven. Mm. That is so good. 
As leaders, we don't want to become like the Pharisees in John chapter 12 who loved the praises of men more than the praise of God. Thank you for your encouragement, Jamie, as well as those three great takeaways. Number one, stay standing. Number two, don't try to prove yourself. And number three, don't do this alone. And really, that's what the Northeast Collaborative is all about. Connecting you as leaders with the resources and people that can help you in your ministry as we help to lead and launch healthy churches in the Northeast. Because a healthy church starts with a healthy shepherd. As always, all the resources we mentioned in today's show, including how to get a hold of Jamie, will be found in the show notes. And if something you heard in today's podcast was helpful to you, make sure you share Dense in the Darkness with someone else who might be helped by what we do. 